Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. All right, Tony. Well, uh, we're back at it again. It's been a long time we, we've been doing this. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. So we, uh, it's been an unpredictable day. We've lost power and a bu- couple other things, and uh, we're having to deal with a March uh, foot snowstorm the other day. So it's been an interesting week. So how about you, Ben? Doing okay. We, we don't. We're not battling the snow. We're battling the pollen down here. You see, like funnel clouds of pollen swirling around, and people are having all kind of allergy issues and stuff. So. Uh, yeah. different afflictions of nature. I don't miss that part of the South. <laughs> I bet, yeah. I was never at peace with that. <laughs> no, I bet not. Uh, I think, yeah, you just kind of get used to whatever. Maybe unless you live, I, I've never been there, but if you live in like Southern California and like San Diego, I've heard, or Hawaii or something, um, that is, it's nearly paradise. I think most places you live, at least in America, um, there are, difficulties you face with the weather that would lead to a lack of peace even Um, california i mean los angeles i know just had a uh decent sized snowstorm from what i understand like the biggest on record that's um yeah that's hard to imagine um but speaking of of a lack of peace i've actually i know you've haven't you read a, a a biography or listen to a biography on every president is that correct i have at least one yeah all the all the dead ones i haven't read anything a biography on president trump or obama and people like that okay so yeah i've actually been working my way backwards now i, I still i've skipped around a little okay. bit just because of what was available from the library that kind of thing um but i've been reading this book it's not so much a strict biography but it, it's covering this period of history um from the late 60s into the 70s, kind of the fall of Nixon and Watergate and all that, and uh, to the rise of Reagan. And so there was a lot of uh, lack of peace. You know, you've got the yeah. governments like <laughs> spying on people and the CIA assassinating people and just, you know, stuff was going crazy in the uh, in the society, the, the Patty Hearst thing. Um, and, you know, when, when peace, uh, when, and when we, by that, talking about like p- things being the way that they should be, when that's gone, it can be hard to recover or to even know where to start uh, to to try to get back there. And that's you know, I mean, the country was just reeling during that time. Yeah. Um, but that's what we want to get into today, uh, talking about peace and peace in our families in particular. Um, and you know, to to quote Rodney King, and I don't mean to make light of his uh, what happened to him, but he famously said, "Can't we all just get along?" And sometimes that that is asking a lot. Sometimes it's not asking as much. Um, but when did you begin to grow in your ability to to make peace and restore breaks in relationship? Yeah, I, I grew in peacemaking. I think that was something that I, I really focused on in seminary, uh, a large part because the church I went to in seminary, Baxter Avenue Baptist, that was really a, a focus a stress, especially from the senior pastor, Ben Laramore. And uh, 
that uh, he really he would teach on that and we would do trainings on that and stuff like that uh but uh you know southern also had a focus on counseling that you know i was able to benefit from which correlates a lot with peacemaking uh and then i i will actually say oddly when i was in full-time children's ministry more specifically i began to really be more compassionate about seeing united relationships in the church even though you know i kind of that was part of my associate role is just trying to encourage and see that so but yeah that's uh I think a significant part of how I got involved in that. How did you begin to grow in peacemaking? Or have you just kind of just stabbed people when you've gotten any disagreement with them, Ben? Yeah, so I've been I've been reading you know points from back there in the the sixties and seventies and you know making an, an enemy list and stuff like that, like Richard Nixon had. LBJ wasn't much better with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, I, I've read a little bit about him, but um, no, I, I think in high school I began taking some steps uh, in that direction with some people, some ways that I'd send against people, uh, approach them, um, and those are some humbling steps, going to people and confessing my sin to them, that kind of stuff. But then as I got married and entered into the the phase of life of parenting, uh, that's forced the issue as well. Like my wife and I had to learn how to make peace with one another. Um, because you know, and I'm sure everyone's experience is different. Our first bit of marriage though was, was challenging in some ways. Um, we just didn't know how to deal with our conflict and to make peace well. Um, and so it just forced the issue and God gave us a lot of grace and there was a lot of effort involved. Um, and then, you know, you've got, you've got kids, uh, you're going to have, there's going to be lack of peace between you and them or between, you know, amongst themselves once there's more than one. Uh, and so it's just, uh, it's there to deal with. Um, that is accurate. So what kind was that? That is accurate. Uh, definitely. There's need for peacemaking when children are involved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kids, they know what they want. They, they, or they, at least they think they know what they want and they want it strongly and they want it right then. And, um, and so, I mean, kind of the more sinners you bring into the mix, the more potential there is for the peace to be broken. Um, doesn't mean it has to go that way. Yeah. But what kind of elements helped, uh, you, you kind of brought up some of the stuff with children's ministry and, uh, some of the things along the way there, any other elements that kind of help push you towards taking those steps to make peace with others? I think I was unfortunately able to witness how Christians, even within the church, the same church can be so fractured. I, I think I saw that really clearly. And, and to me, that compelled me to be a, more about peacemaking than I was. And maybe I need to be even more about that. Uh, but I think also I've seen, we, I feel like our culture has kind of embraced this mentality where, you know, when somebody doesn't get along with you, that, that it's appropriate, even even good to really like cut them off, you know, even mm -hmm. to like shun them from your life. Uh, actually, unfortunately, I knew of a case even where somebody was making a life change that was made aware to me. And they sent basically a letter out to uh, that family members where it was like, basically you support our life change and you help us or, you, or just get out of my life and don't be part of my, ha my household and my family at all going forward. And that actually was said as a positive thing. And I think that to me demonstrates there's so much of a need for real godly biblical peacemaking right now. How about you, Ben? 
Well, yeah, I think you put your finger on something really good. I've seen that. You know, we laughed about this before, um, but it is an issue in our culture about canceling. And it's sort of in, in relational aspects. There is that, well, we'll just cancel that person. Like literally just if, if they're not fully behind me in everything I want, then they're just – I need they're not giving me good vibes. So they've got to go. Yeah. And I mean everybody. that's just going to leave a trail of destruction um, behind you. It's not going to lead to peace, to things being as they should be. No. Um, it, it may give you some temporary emotional relief, but um, that, that's not what we're after. Yeah, so for me, I mean, kind of like I said before, that dealing with conflict and marriage, sin, uh, dealing with sibling sins, rivalries, you know, those kinds of things, and uh, just seeing the need, like this is what God calls us to, and so it pushed me in that direction. Um now you you've kind of brought up the Lord in this arena. Is this really a theological issue, or is it just kind of practical? Yeah, I think it's definitely a biblical and a theological issue. I mean, honestly, one thing that I thought of immediately with this is that we undervalue the peacemaking role of our Savior. Uh, you know, Jesus is one of his central roles is that Jesus acts even now as a mediator. I mean, the mediator between God and man. I mean, that's the, that's what the subject of the song Before the Throne of God Above is about, really. Uh, and I think it's a message about Jesus that we need to instill. And, and thus, really, mediation is a core doctrine of the Christian faith, which well, that's really, to me, what peacemaking is about. It's about mediating a relationship uh, and uh, kind of bringing peace in that way. But, I mean, there are lots of scriptures on this. The Bible talks a ton about making peace between people, about rectifying broken relationships. I mean, Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers from the Sermon on the Mount, for they shall be called sons of God. Romans 12, 8, Paul focuses on it. He encourages people, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. And then I, mean, I think one of the most beautiful passages about this kind of peacemaking process is actually Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, which I won't read, but I encourage listeners to read on their own. I mean, do you think there's any other theological element, or do you think this has nothing to do with the mediation of Christ, Ben? What's your opinion here? I think it really it is very practical, but I think in a lot of ways some of the things that are most practical can be the most theological. Um, this gets at the heart of the gospel, and and it's overflowing into our relationships. And very often you see the gospel used as, as a paradigm or a, um, a, a lens to look through in order to live life. God has done this for you in Christ, therefore go live like this. You brought up Ephesians and you know uh, I think he says this in Colossians as well to forgive as you have been forgiven in Christ. And this that touches yeah. on peacemaking. Um, but like you said there there's a lot of either direct teaching or uh, by example or just things that would kind of go in line with this that God intends for our relationships to be at peace because I mean it's a picture of even what's going on with Father Son and Holy Spirit and then like you know there's I haven't read the book I, it's I'd like to but it's called God the Peacemaker it's in the you know the gray book series that yeah. D. Carson edits the new studies in biblical theology um, that God is the ultimate peacemaker he he and he mm. pursued us uh, in Christ he applied it by the Spirit and now we're enabled by the Spirit to kind of flesh out the power of the gospel in our lives. And so it's, it's deeply practical, but also deeply theological. Um, 
So does peacemaking come naturally or do people have to learn it somehow? What do you yeah, think about that? I think we're all just like, even infants are really, you know, they, they immediately bring peace. And, uh, you know, as soon as an infant comes in the world, the whole family is drawn closer together and happier. I, I think that's definitely my answer. What do you as, that, as the infants cry out for baptism in the <laughs> exactly. night. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I don't think that at all. So, um, uh, you know, I, I think Ken Sandy is a really great resource on peacemaking. And he has said that he really stresses that people kind of default instead of to peacemaking to things called peace faking, kind of like avoiding conflict and therefore faking peace. Or he says that some instead uh, default to peace breaking. Uh, so we tend to do one or the other. And I think there's some truth in that. You know, I don't think that there's an overt Bible verse, but I think the nature of sin is to divide us from people will not make us want to mediate or seek peace among each other. Uh, you know, I, I think sin inherently makes us bad at conflict and uh, makes us resolve conflict extremely poorly, uh, sometimes in dangerous ways. Uh, and I think, we, you know, in a way, we need to learn peacemaking over and over. This is not something that comes natural. This is something that we need to be kind of catechized into, even as those who know the process to a degree, even those that have been literally trained in it. So but what do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, some may have more of a natural desire for it because of common grace or, or taking steps towards the person. Um, but learning is still needed because of sin and just because of human limitations and frailty. Though some of the steps that we may take may be like Ken Sandy said, uh, peace faking. Yeah. But there, there's still, I, I think, the desire to, well, let's let's try to keep this thing going here. Whereas there's, you know, some that are just going to plant the flag and burn the bridges, whatever. They're, they're just, they're not going to stand for that. Um, and I mean, there, there is, there's good in both of those in a sense that someone can see something that's wrong and say, no, you need to deal with this. Like you did something that was wrong. But yeah. then there's a complete unwillingness to, you know, resolve it or forgive or whatever, uh, and that's where that gets distorted. And, I mean, just like any of God's gifts, I think if we spend enough time talking, we could come up with um, tons of examples of God gives us a good gift and uh, we distort it. I mean, you can think of food and sex mm -hmm. and sleep and uh, work and all, all these kinds of things where we distort God's good intention in that. And so even things that are maybe good about our personality, they can be distorted because of sin and, and our limitations. <clears throat> so how much of this is caught? How much is taught? I mean, what is that dynamic? Yeah, I think that often peacemaking is taught in part by, you know, by being caught. And so what I mean by that, I think, is that you know, we, we can sometimes overly divide these kind of things. I'm thinking often with this question, I'm assuming a lot of what you're talking about is like parents teaching this, these skills. Uh, and I think a lot of times with these kinds of principles of biblical peacemaking, you know, I, we, we pass them on to people by demonstrating them in an action and then using those as kind of teaching moments and using our failures to do that even more so at times, unfortunately, as teaching moments. Uh, but, you know, I, I think adults, how adults approach conflict is something that easily gets passed down. So I think that is the natural element there, that it tends to be the case that 
our kids will often have a similar conflict approach to one one of their parents, one or the other, or both in some cases. Uh, and that's why we need to incorporate both elements. But I think sometimes the right teaching of this is actually showing our own failures. It's not to, you know, be perfect because we can't be perfect. Uh, and, you know, and revealing our failures and conflict for what they are so that we even that through our failures teach our kids and teach other people about peacemaking. What do you think, Ben? Do you think it's just you take you know, uh, when you're five years old, you take a little lesson on it, you know, go to some kind of seminary course, and then you've got it down? Yeah, right after uh, the Greek and Hebrew course. Yeah, of course. Um, you don't want to miss that. Mix that up. <laughs> right. Good exegesis. Um, I think you're right. It, it's hard to, to make a clear line between the two. A lot of it is caught. I, I'm certainly not against direct teaching, though, saying, hey, guys, there's some things to keep in mind. But then how we interact with them and, and uh, others is going to affect their observing us. And it's it's amazing just how much our kids are observing and taking in, uh, particularly the younger they are. But, I mean, it doesn't necessarily go away when they're older. But they, they have uh, detectors for uh, what's – fake i guess i've heard it called other things but Mm -hmm. uh you know they just have a good sense of that and then they live with you they learn what you're really like and so um but i think it's it's important to note too that even if we are handling that appropriately like when we have sinned against them and we are going to seek to make peace and, and ask for forgiveness and seek to reconcile the relationship there um that it doesn't necessarily always bear this immediate fruit and lead to this, you know, Edenic bliss in our family that the kids can like, oh, oh, well, of course I should, uh, yeah. I should go and do likewise. It, you know, that that's a can be a gradual thing as they internalize those things and they're to make peace, particularly um, as a child. It, can be hard and um it's hard for adults i mean there's an emotional cost to going to someone and uh, owning what it is that you have done wrong and often it's there's more than one party that's wrong i mean every now and then it's just really one person's fault but usually there's this multi-sided there and so to to take the steps towards that especially if you feel like you weren't even the most at fault, um, and so trying to get kids to that point, it's it's not a an overnight thing. Um, so, are there specific truths or just big principles or something that we should emphasize? And I mean, what's, what's that look like? Yeah, I think there are several here um, that you can incorporate. Uh, some big truths that I think that we need to emphasize would be. Give, uh, would be that we're called to give the benefit of the doubt in conflict management. Mm. Uh, and we're also called to seek direct reconciliation, which honestly, I think this is the maybe the area that goes so much most and most against the grain of our culture that you know we're just we don't do reconciliation you know maybe eventually we just kind of move past something uh, and don't talk about it but you know we have to actually pursue difficult, hard conversations that reconcile relationship. Uh, and I, I think beyond that, I think there are biblical principles that we need to emphasize as well. I mean, Matthew 7, uh, the principles of Matthew 7 about getting the log out of your own eye before the speck out of the others, I think is clear. I, I think there's a reason why this is a principle that is both stressed 
in biblical counseling and in peacemaking, which often really overlap. Uh, but I think we need to really see that. Uh, and then I, I think another one actually is as a Bible verse principle is Philippians 2.3 about really serving others. Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but humility count others more significant than yourselves. So I think that considering others better than yourself is that core principle to peacemaking that is hard, but something we've got to learn over and over. And, and I think finally, I think an aspect that we need to incorporate in principle to seek real peacemaking will in part be a right understanding of forgiveness. And we did a whole podcast on that. Uh, so I won't get into that right now. But I think that is core to what real peacemaking must include. What do you think, though, Ben? What other principles am I missing? You know, I don't have a, a whole lot to flesh out past that. But you've I already mentioned this earlier, but the the gospel is a model for us a paradigm and so just and that's it's its application goes in a lot of ways in our christian life and so it's just it's useful in personal godliness and in ministering to others and in in godly living and so the case is here that you know just trying to emphasize it over and over to our kids we want them to to internalize the gospel and to live consistent with it. And so here, I mean, God came after us in Christ. And so he has forgiven us and, excuse me, um, restores us. And, you know, in the ongoing relationship, he doesn't hold the sin over our head, you know, this kind of thing. And so just letting that really permeate, I mean, holds the, the culture of our homes, the, um, the way we do things. A couple other things that came to mind and just from different sources, I think they're all biblical, but we want to confess specific sins, um, you know, take full responsibility for your part of it, regardless if you were, you know, I mean, it's not helpful to try to divide this up, but if you're 5% at fault, you need to take all five percentage points there, um, not say, well, you know, you really are 95% wrong here and so you really need to deal with that i mean i'm only five percent um you you just say this is what i did you take ownership of that Um, and try to take action quickly uh don't just let it fester for Mm. you know days and weeks and months um try to deal with the issue quickly restore where we're needed um you know maybe a kid stole something from the sibling and they need to uh make that right uh, just these those kinds of things, and and try to listen to others' concerns. Uh, don't just go in there and this is my part, but listening to see okay how how did I hurt you? These kinds of things and being attentive to others. Um, those are just some things that come to my mind. I think those um, are fantastic, and yeah, and I think we need to see the role of the gospel in this as it's something that we can i think jump past i think the gospel i mean can be said as it's for a reconciliation with god but it's also for a reconciliation with one another and and it's really only taken hold fully when we allow it to do exactly that yeah i mean you see ephesians 2 paul's paul lays out what god has done for us in christ and then look he's breaking down these barriers of jew and gentile and, and so there's an un you know, a way that reconciliation is happening between those groups that were alienated. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, and in some of the stuff I just said kind of bled into this, but um, I talked about kind of big principles, big big truths, but are there some 
specific skills that you think would be helpful to try to to pass along have our kids practice when they they have a conflict that they need to make peace i mean you're the you know you have been trained in some of these things um in a specific way yeah in ways i have yeah so but uh that's a good question i think it's important uh there so i i want to be clear that I, I don't think any of this is going to be things like learning therapy skills or things like that that can be really focused upon. You know, I, actually, it's interesting. I, I knew somebody who encouraged and navigating even conflict among people that a skill that's useful is tapping chakras. And uh, and I don't think you need to learn that. <laughs> that I just use crystals. Yeah, this guy worked at a church too, by the way. But uh, oh wow. Yeah. Anyway, but no, I don't think anything like that. Uh, but I I do think that uh, we we can grow in in a way of that uh, Christian humility. Um, we need to instead a focus on Christian humility and and if the skills of calmly seeking mediation which and i think that that is a skill in a way i mean it's more of a character attribute but the ability to calmly to to seek that kind of peace that we've been talking about uh you know i think there are some really helpful specific conflict tools that can be useful towards this i think of for example one thing that even we often teach in marital counseling that I think can be very helpful in any kind of relationship breakdown is the skills of co- what's called conference tabling. Sometimes I don't know if you've heard of conference tabling with regards to kind of interpersonal counseling for Christians. Hmm. So it's not ringing a bell. Basically, uh, when, when we do, even in my family, sometimes we'll have to sit down and practice uh, this conference tabling, which basically you start, you read a passage of scripture and then you, you know, that calmly fell these like even ridiculous rules where you know if somebody raises their voice the other person stands up and you have to stop and you know these are just kind of skills that remind us to, to calm us down and to teach us to put on in a way put on training wheels for conflict management i think those can be uh useful skills in a way uh i i think further uh, that I think uh, uh, there, an important skill to develop is the skill of separating substantive and substantive rather and personal issues, which it tends to be the case. I think Ken Sandy stresses a lot that almost all conflicts boil down to that there's two issues, there's two com- uh, conflicts. There's a substantive conflict when we're disagreeing with somebody, and then there's personal conflict. And those get meshed together, and we need to unmesh them. I think <laughs> we need to grow in that skill. Of being, you know, when the person disagrees with us, even our spouse, on parenting principle, we don't we don't fight the the dirty fight of the personal disagreement. We we navigate that actual specific issue. What do you think? What other skills do you think we need, men? Well, those are really good, and I, I, I mean, I think the sitting down at the table and some of those kind of things and having rules can be very helpful because I, just in watching my own kids and watching, I've had the the privilege of being around and ministering to a lot of kids over the years they do not always they regularly don't handle their conflict in the most productive ways the most godly ways i remember um when we were in college i was part of this ministry we'd go over to this it's like section eight housing place and we would it was a weekly thing on Saturdays. We would play games, teach them from the Bible, this kind of thing. And then once a semester, we would have like a bigger deal, like this little festival. And um, <clears throat> anyway, we were out there, and this kid was – we were doing a pinata. And, and this one 
kid swings at the pinata and he struck something. And he's blindfolded, so he doesn't know what's going on. Well, what he struck was his brother's forehead because his brother mm. had been, you know, we told him stay back, and he kind of pushed through trying to, you know, be the first to get the candy. Yeah. And I've never seen a whelp develop on someone's head so fast. I mean, it was like instant mm-hmm. golf ball on this kid's forehead. And he kind of stood there stunned for a minute. And then I guess he realized, oh, that hurt. That was my brother. And before any of the leaders could stop him, he jumped in and his poor brother's blindfolded and he just jumps in and starts pounding him. And, uh, you know, I mean, and that's not like atypical for what sinners do. Yeah. Um, I mean, thankfully, that doesn't happen all the time every time we have a conflict. But uh, just sitting down like that and and saying, OK, this is what we're going to do. No, you can't do this. No. Nope. OK, we're going to start over. Um and just teaching them like practical sometimes i know in in circles that we're run in there can be this emphasis on oh it's just the big glorious truths but sometimes those practical things can be helpful like use the training wheels like okay here's some some guide rails for us um but i I think don't smack people (laughs) what's that don't smack people as far as (laughs) (laughs) especially when they're blindfolded right (laughs) No fist. Um, But uh, another one could be negotiating and compromising Mm -hmm. um, and and doing so not to manipulate the other person. But, okay, here, I hear this is what you're after. This is what you're wanting. That's okay. And this is kind of what I would like. And, I mean, think about how many times, especially if you have multiple siblings involved in a household and they're trying to figure out what game they're going to play or what the rules of this game are going to be. And, well, I wanted to do this thing. Well, you wanted to do this thing. And so – that can just devolve into fights and personal attacks um, or tattling or, you know, I mean, there's just so many different ways that can go awry. And so teaching them to do that and not, well, I'll do this. And if you don't do it my way, I'll never play with you again. Or, you know, these kinds of tactics, uh, teaching them to do it well, to listen to the other person. And again, it's a very practical thing, but it is a way of loving other people. So, That, that's just one that kind of comes to mind, and I, I'm going to recommend this in, but you've talked about Ken Sandy several times. He's just really helpful um, in this. Um, so here's a specific manifestation of this. It's not maybe full peacemaking, though in some cases maybe it would be, but should we require kids to apologize, to seek to make peace um, at, you know, at whatever point in life? Uh, knowing that they won't always truly mean it, particularly, you know, as they're younger. I think that's a good question. So um, that, and I wish there was an extremely easy answer to that. I think their Christians can debate and come to different conclusions. So, uh, but I, I tend to think so. I don't think that there's a explicit Bible verse on this. Uh, to me, I think this is just, I've used this term on the podcast before, putting on the boots they grow into. You know, it's teaching these principles, even if, you know, they're not necessarily practicing it. In a way, I actually kind of feel like that we encourage them to do it. Uh, that be, And the same reason why we encourage the per- kid that we don't think is a Christian to pray, uh, because, you know, it's teaching them the tools that they'll use when it becomes real. Uh, you know, I think further, we can't see hearts, uh, and we should help to, to show them uh, what real repentance is, though, even though we can't see hearts, you know, and so we kind of buttress that call to apologize to with at the same time showing them what real apology is. And I think all this actually is really helpful, I think, for all of our kids, because um, this reveals to all of us 
those who learn this, how we kind of have to, um, we, we're going to have to trust apologies eventually. I mean, because, and there's really always, it's always going to be the case that we can never know for sure if somebody is really repentant and we have to give the benefit of the doubt. And I think in a way it also, this teaches our kids how to give the benefit of the doubt. Do you think that we should require kids to apologize? It's something that we have done and that I would recommend like you, I, I can't point to a specific text in scripture that says that. I think it's a good practice. Yes, we may be making hypocrites out of the kids at times by doing that, but it's a good pattern to learn instead of just, well, you did this thing, you offended them, you sinned against them. Okay, yeah. just go on. Well, because you're not really sorry. That's not a, a pattern you want to instill. Um, so what role do churches have in peacemaking as it connects to families oh man i think they have a significant role so i i think pastors and even next gen volunteer and leaders should be ready to mediate i actually think this is in a way this is a role that all of us as christians should have uh, but especially those in this kind of roles that this should be something that we're equipped and we are on board and, and ready to do to mediate conflict, even within whether it be between teens, whether it be that between, you know, a parent and, the, and their child. And I've even been put in that kind of position before. So I think that's a huge part of the role of the church. I think we should also incorporate peacemaking principles into our teachings. Uh, and I think we do that at every level, uh, both for the parents and for the kids, because I think the kids will need to learn to peacemake with their parents at times. Uh, and I think lastly, sometimes it, it, this is actually an aspect of church discipline. So, you know, there might even be cases actually where peacemaking, biblical peacemaking might involve putting uh, somebody in households under church discipline because they are not seeking to make peace with somebody. They're showing unrepentance and unforgiveness, unrepentance and bitterness, root of bitterness. Uh, and so there's a time where the church has to get directly involved in that capacity. What, what do you think? What other kind of roles do you think the church has in this? Well, I love the things that you said, and that's where my mind was going. Um, also, if we're just a culture of it, within the church itself, um, you know, just seeking to restore peace when it's broken, because inevitably you, you have sinners in the church, you have sinners in various leadership positions, and, and someone is going to either get offended, their feelings hurt, or outright sinned against. And so if it's just modeled as this is how we do this in the family of God, that then helps. But uh, yeah, I, I think you're right, get, taking those extra steps, overt teaching on it, even as it connects sometimes just as points of application uh, or, or as an implication of some truth from Scripture. Um, mediating, I, I really like that. Getting, Helping each other live out the faith and because conflict is going to come. And so God's intention is for there to be peace. And one day it will all be made right. We're yeah. not there yet. We're still waiting. And so we're trying to, in faith, we're living like it's coming. And um, so, yeah, that, that's the, really the only thing I can think to add is just as we live it out within relationships within the church. Uh, I mean, because how many people – I mean, listen, the South is littered with people that – quote. I had never heard this term until about seven years ago, but church hurt. Is that something – like they use that up there in No, in I've Maine? never heard it. Okay, so – yeah, I started hearing it a little more widely, but uh, basically people that just got their feelings hurt at church or were sinned against in some way, and so they have a lot of church hurt, and so then they don't want to 
um, they don't want to go back to church or that kinds of things. Uh, I think that if we had a better culture of peacemaking and this expectation that, oh, we we go to one another when we've been sinned against and, and try to resolve that, it might help eliminate a lot of it. Not to say that there's not some situations that might be hard, but just sometimes it's kind of petty. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> so um, just kind of bringing this full circle, uh, are, are there any things, any resources that you'd recommend to people to help them to gain some perspective on this biblical perspective or skills or things that would be useful as they try to make peace in their families? So we've danced around one. Uh, a lot, and I suspect you're going to mention, I think you've already mentioned it to a degree, and that's uh, Ken Sandy's peacemaking books. Specifically, I actually really like for what we're talking about, peacemaking for families. It's a fantastic uh, book, and I think I'd encourage almost all families to have that book. Uh, and then another one I really liked, uh, actually a book I have to revisit for my counseling certification uh, that I'm working towards finishing up, and that's Pursuing Peace by Robert Jones. I think that's a helpful biblical counseling book about having peace in our relationships. Uh, but what are uh, what other recommendations might you have, Ben? Stole my answer, man. For both of them? Um, yeah. The, the really? Peacemaking That's for funny. Families <laughs> is a – I mean it's very good uh, biblical truth, doctrinal truth that's underpinning it. Uh, but it, it's very readable and just very practical in the yeah. working it out. And so you know, he gives illustrations of different things of his own life or other situations he's dealt with. Uh, Ken Sandy, by the way, is a – some kind of attorney who has helped companies and churches and all kinds of people um, basically make peace. And so there's, he's got a lot of experience in this and applying biblical truth. Um, and so, yes, I, I would highly recommend that. I've actually taken some sections of that. He has these different um, acronyms that could be useful as like a, a mental framework as you're trying to deal with that. And I actually tried to teach some of that to my kids, and I've, I'd like to go back and revisit some of that Um help them because you know that's something that you know it's an issue in our home um and, and just trying to teach people uh we okay we're going to have these disagreements we're going to they're going you're going to get offended you're going to offend someone else and and then how do we move forward and try to get things back to the way that they should be so uh, yes i would recommend that he also has his larger ministry organization um i think it used to be called peacemaker ministries now it is called i think relational wisdom 360 or something Something like that yeah um i've been on the website and he he does speaking seminars and things and has material for even um groups that would not be explicitly christian um and just tries to teach them some wise principles from scripture um but he has this this relational wheel about you know how we relate to God, how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to others, and mm-hmm. anyway, just a lot of helpful tools. So um, you could Google that <clears throat> or DuckDuckGo, whatever search engine you use. What I didn't know that's a thing. So, but <laughs> yeah, man, I've stopped using Google. I don't want them tracking me. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Good call. Um, selling stuff to me, um, but yeah. So I think that's that's really where I would, I would say to go to, and not that I've done tons of, of looking, but cause I just found a gold mine with that stuff. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I think this was a, it was helpful more and thinking about how to lead my family well within our church. And, um, it was a, a blessing to those that listen and that, that our homes and our churches would reflect the Lord's character and 
the way things should be um, as we wait for Jesus to come back and make it all new again. Amen. So good word, brother. So it's a good discussion. I'm glad we did that. And why it's, you know, this is another one of those where it's like, how did we take the song? Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.